Hey everybody, welcome back to episode 31 of the Brianna Approved Podcast. And we are doing a solo episode today. I have a lot of exciting guests coming up, so I wanted to make sure that we still had some one-on-one time to drop knowledge. And today's episode is time appropriate because it is February, not only my birth month, but Heart Health Month. And so we're going to talk a little bit about why we actually need inflammation, because that's actually a, a big topic around cardiovascular health, and some labs that you should be running in regards to assessing inflammation. Before we get into the show, I just want to remind everybody that I am working really hard. I should say my brother and I are working really hard on producing the first Befriending Anxiety course, which will be dropping this spring. So make sure that you are signed up on my website, briannadiorio.com to keep up with updates there. And I will also be running a group coaching program in the spring again. So that will be really exciting. So make sure that you are signed up for the newsletter at briannadiorio.com. So In episode 31 of the podcast, we are going to discuss labs that you should be asking your doctor to run if you are concerned with inflammation. I'm going to also discuss briefly what inflammation actually is. I don't want to get too much into it today because that should probably be its own episode or I'm probably going to create um, like a mini course on that. But inflammation isn't all bad. I love inflammation. You would be dead without it. You should be really thankful for it. We will also discuss some blood markers that you should be aware of. And then in the nerd alert segment of the episode, I'm going to discuss some of the differences between acute phase and the resolution phase of inflammation. And then, of course, why chronic low-grade inflammation can become problematic over time. But as you know, before we get going, we're going to start with our fun fact of the day while I sip cafe. Did you know liver enzyme levels may indicate inflammation as well as liver, gallbladder, bile, and kidney disease? So according to, there was a 2019 study that was published in the Indian Journal of Clinical Biochemistry, there is actually an association between elevated liver enzyme levels, inflammation, and cardiometabolic problems. So when we say cardiometabolic problems, that means things that can have a combination of this metabolic dysfunction, like insulin resistance, perhaps, impaired glucose tolerance, um, issues going on with your blood lipids, uh, as well as hypertension. And so... When we have this buildup of inflammation, this can lead to enlarged liver or fatty liver disease, which can actually increase not only your body's total toxic load, but can be implicated in many cardiovascular diseases. So looking at liver enzymes, something that I do with clients all the time, regardless of what's going on with their main health, because we want to always see what is trending with our liver health, because the liver does so much, but particularly for breaking down stress hormones, for our immune system, um, for our total inflammation bucket. So the more you know. Next, we are going to get into our nerd alert. Nerd alert. Nerd alert. So in today's segment of Nerd Alert, we are going to be talking about, surprise, inflammation. And so as always, let's go a step backwards and talk about what inflammation actually is, right? So inflammation is your body's response, or I should say your body's nonspecific response to stress. Now, this can be stress from your diet, from your lifestyle, environment, and it's basically a part of the immune system. So when people have a lot of inflammation, so something like allergies, for example, that's actually a hyper reaction of the immune system, right? It's the immune system's response to an infection and or an injury. So at the core, inflammation is actually really important and it's a part of the natural 
biological healing process. It's basically your body's natural defense mechanism against things like foreign pathogens, toxins, allergens, and um, injuries, and any kind of harm that may be going on internally. So it's kind of like the surveillance camera, if you will, of everything that is happening at the cellular level. And then it kind of tells your body what it needs to release, whether that's cytokines or um, you know, interleukines, or again, part of these things that modulate the immune system. And so I, I talk about this a, a lot on social media about this idea that we don't always want to be quote, boosting the immune system. That's not the goal. Uh, especially if you are somebody who is a very hyper immune already, or you have autoimmune diseases, because then we have things in excess, or we have maybe a lot of these inflammatory cytokines. And that's when problems can become worse or we have symptoms that flare up, right? So the goal is always modulation with the immune system. We want to support the immune system. We want to see kind of where we fall on that immune scale. But so your immune system's response to, again, any kind of harm or cellular injury, it does this through the inflammation process, which you may have experienced as things like, you know, pain and heat and redness, right? So what this does is it actually increases blood flow, right? Your capillaries dilate. We have leukocytes or these white blood cells that come to the scene of the crime. And then we have a lot of these other various chemical mediators, like again, cytokines, which act as these cell mediators that go and tell other cells what to do more or less of. Prostaglandins also play a role in this. So this is a lot um, that deals with vasodilation and vasoconstriction. When you get really you know, painful periods, um, this can also be implicated in prostaglandin levels. So again, it's a really complex process. So when people say things like anti-inflammatory everything, again, that is not the goal. It's not as simple as just totally turning inflammation off or making everything anti-inflammatory. We need it. This process is what helps to protect your body and keep you alive and actually repair tissue damage. So again, um, when it does become problematic is when we have this chronic low-grade inflammation, right? And so we have now seen inflammation be implicated in the pathogenesis of many diseases like arthritis, cancer, cardiovascular disease, uh, neurodegenerative diseases. And then, of course, even now we're seeing stuff like anxiety and depression. So, you know, I did my dissertation on anxiety and inflammation was a big part of that. And so it's about balancing the inflammation bucket, which I will eventually talk about when I drop my inflammation course. So I want to talk a little bit about the idea of the acute versus resolution phase. So the knowledge bite section of this episode is going to be focusing on that because we know that knowledge is your brain's favorite food. So when we're talking about acute versus resolution phase, we want to think about, I kind of, I, I joke and say, you know, the direct expressway or sort of the scenic route, right? So when we think about acute, this is sort of, you're going from A to B very quickly. This is, I fell off my bike and my wrist starts to immediately swell or I immediately start bleeding, right? We want to actually have this acute coming to the scene of the crime process that's happening in the body. So acute inflammation is generally short term, it's short lived, or it should be right. It doesn't mean it's not going on for a very long time, as opposed to chronic inflammation, which is ongoing, right. So we'll talk about that in a second. But acute inflammation is essential for your health. Because again, this is what helps your 
cells to deal with infection and illness and injury. And so it protects you essentially from pathogens and is really the first step in that recovery and repair to the damaged cells that you're having. And so when we have acute inflammation, it generally starts very quickly within minutes. Again, like the example is like, I, you know, if you fall and you start, you scrape your knee and you start bleeding, right? That's a part of the acute inflammation phase. We want that. Um, some people, it can last for a few weeks. It can last for a few days. Um, but ideally, with the acute inflammation phase, it should be decreasing gradually. And then as you start to repair and recover, it sort of goes away. So some signs of acute inflammation can include maybe you have some pain and swelling, right? Think about when you're maybe sore from the gym. Um, redness, if you have a lot of heat itching, if you've ever gotten like a rash or something like that. And then also things like allergies many times, sneezing, coughing, congestion, watery eyes, again, because those are all a part of the first response of the immune system. And again, inflammation is kind of one of the soldiers, if you will, of the immune army. So those are some signs to be aware of. And like I said, um, while acute inflammation generally tends to have a specific cause like injury, infection, again, maybe there was an allergy, you were exposed to a, a toxin, um, chronic inflammation generally does not have one specific cause. And this is where it can be a bit more difficult to not only diagnose, but sort of deal with it because you're like, where do I even start? What is what is it affecting in the body? And so when we talk about chronic inflammation, this is different. This is like the persistent, it's going on for a very long time. You're taking the scenic route. You just want to get there already. And it generally takes quite a bit of time to subside. So this low grade chronic inflammation is systemic, meaning it generally affects a lot of different areas of the body, right? So it can last for months. It can last for years. Um, some people deal with this for their entire life. They are chronically inflamed. They're chronically in pain. And while acute inflammation, like I said, kind of has one specific cause, again, like I fell and I have an injury or I was exposed to a toxin and I had an anaphylactic shock, right? Chronic inflammation generally does not have one specific cause. And it, it tends to develop over time due to a combination of many, many issues, which is why it can be difficult to assess not only what's causing it and contributing to it, but where do I start with my healing protocol? So this can be through poor diet, of course, right? We know there's pro-inflammatory foods. We know that things can be more individual depending on how full our stress bucket is. This is also why as people get older, sometimes they're like, it's so weird. I used to always be able to eat X, Y, Z. And now that I'm older, I can't do that, right? Our inflammation bucket is more full. We also know things like chronic stress, and stress is, again, that umbrella term. It can mean many different things. Uh, we have more exposure to environmental toxins. And so these factors basically play this role in increasing our stress load on the body and secondarily actually increasing the stress load on the liver, which mostly deals with the inflammatory compounds. So as a response, your body will produce inflammatory modulators throughout your body. And so this can overwhelm your immune system and can overwhelm the body overall. And again, because we actually have immune receptors throughout our entire body, right? So areas like, you know, our brain and our microbiome, our digestive tract, um, this is why you can feel inflammation quite literally everywhere in the body, right? So this is when we talk about systemic inflammation. So exa for example, in the brain, again, we can have pro-inflammatory cytokines that can actually cause autoimmune reactions. It can lead to things like depression, um, some 
poor memory, right? We know that certain parts of the brain are highly sensitive to some of these stress hormones. We also know, again, cardiovascular system, right? So if we have inflammation in the heart and the the arteries, this can lead to high blood sugar levels. This can lead to um, increases of macrophages that actually can kind of get stuck in the artery walls. We can also have inflammation in things like our GI tract, right? So people talk a lot about, you know, quote, leaky gut, which is not a real scientific term. So things like intestinal permeability over time. Uh, we can also, of course, have inflammation in the muscles, right? So when we maybe are experiencing things like rheumatoid arthritis, carpal tunnel syndrome, and then even the skin. People forget a lot that our skin is, you know, like an organ that is many times directly in a mirror to what's going on internally, right? So if you're constantly having rashes, if you are having acne, eczema, psoriasis, a lot of the times that could be going on with uh an overexcitation of the immune response as well as the inflammation response as well. So we do want to kind of look at all of those things that could be potentially telling us there's signs of imbalances of inflammation in the body. So when we're talking about the acute phase of inflammation, right, acute versus the resolution phase, right? So the acute phase, this is step one. This is when we generally have that rapid influx of blood granulocytes or these white blood cells, right, as well as neutrophils. And then we swiftly, right after that, comes in some more of the immune soldiers. So things like monocytes, which eventually can mature into inflammatory macrophages, right? And so what happens over time is that these macrophages can kind of proliferate or sort of, you know, increase in number. And then that affects different functions of different macrophages or other white blood cells in the body, right? And so when we see this happen, as that sort of domino effect happens, we have redness, heat, swelling, pain. Um, and this is actually why it's not always a good idea to always just use something like ice for an extended period of time. It actually depends where you are in the inflammatory process. Sometimes you actually want to add heat to something um, as opposed to ice. So we could talk about that at a later time. But again, um, once the initiating you know, noxious stimulus is removed, right, through something like phagocytosis, or again, one of this process of the white of the immune response, the inflammatory reaction ideally should decrease and resolve. So that's the acute phase, right? That is you have the issue, the soldiers are sent, they go fight the battle, and then everything, everybody goes back to their quarters and like, we're good to go, we're chill. When we have the resolution phase of inflammation, what happens is granulocytes, or again, these white blood cells, they're eliminated, macrophages, lymphocytes, all that. Again, they return to sort of this normal pre-inflammatory numbers, like the amount that we've released, and kind of they go back to like their docking stations, if you will. And so the usual outcome of the acute inflammatory phase should ideally lead to resolution and repair of tissue damage, as opposed to what happens with many people if they don't deal with it or they don't have a healthy immune response or balance with the inflammation process in the body or nutrients that support the inflammatory process. What happens as opposed to that is that it continues to be persistent, this inflammation, and then it can lead to dysfunction of the inflammatory response. So this actually leads to issues with how our organs can function. This can lead to diminished blood flow. This can lead to scarring. This can lead to poor mobility, right? So when we have failure of the acute inflammation to resolve or to get to that resolution phase, this can actually predispose an individual to things like 
autoimmune issues, or again, that chronic low-grade inflammation. Maybe you have a lot of tissue damage going on, mood disorders. So that is where we really want to be aware of this idea of chronic versus ongoing inflammation, which again, can lead to a lot of these internal changes. It can lead to to cellular changes. um, And again, some of these more ongoing health issues that we don't always know. And it can affect kind of the whole body. And so there's so much research on, I mean, do any PubMed you know, quick search and you'll find chronic inflammation has been linked to, again, things like, you know, brain inflammation, neuroinflammation is a huge thing, um, depression, addictions, memory loss, neurodegenerative diseases. So when people maybe potentially talk about things like, quote, brain fog, brain fog, inflammation can be um, a factor in that. And even think about things like having chronic low-grade energy all the time. Your mitochondria, besides being the powerhouse of the cell, These are these tiny little structures that are pretty much in every cell of our body, right? So they are very responsible for producing energy and your cells need this energy, this ATP, of course, to carry out function. What a lot of people do not realize is that these little structures, these mitochondria are very, very vulnerable to chronic inflammation. Think about like your mitochondria as your sensitive friend, your badass friend. Like on the outside, they look like they have everything together and they're crushing life, but you say one mean thing and they're like calling their mom crying sound like I'm describing myself, but I digress. What this means is that chronic inflammation over time can damage actually our mitochondria, and this can lower our body's overall ability to function and heal, and then can kind of essentially steal energy away from all the other processes in the body, as well as all the cells that are utilizing the ATP for mitochondria, which is, again, why you can kind of feel inflammation everywhere, feel kind of tired, feel blah, and this is also why we need to make make sure we're supporting the nutrients that we need for not only mitochondria, but also the inflammatory process, which we'll talk about um, at a later time. So that was a lot to kind of discuss for what inflammation actually is, kind of the background of chronic versus low grade. In conclusion, we definitely need inflammation. We want to modulate it. We don't want to have too much of it. It's kind of like the Goldilocks zone. We want to make sure that our body, um, that we're not just turning it off and doing anti-inflammatory everything, but again, figuring out why is this happening in the first place? And where is the inflammation coming from? Is it something I can control? Is it dietary stuff? Is it, you know, something going on with exogenous, you know, hormones, things like plastics and estrogens? Um, am I drinking tap water? Do I have a lot of stress in my life? So always assessing how full is my stress bucket? How full is my inflammation bucket? And again, what are some other secondary systems that are potentially being negatively impacted by inflammation uh, or contributing to it? So looking at what's going on with your microbiome, what's going on with your digestive tract, um, what's how well we're actually supporting the innate and adaptive immune response over time, as well as how much attention and love are we actually giving to our liver. So I want to make this a two-part episode because it did get kind of sciencey in there, and I do want people to kind of, again, take some time to think about what's going on with inflammation, why it's not all bad, um, maybe doing a little self-reflection on that. And then part two of the show, I'm going to actually talk about blood lab markers that you should be running to look at when you potentially think you have inflammation happening in the body. So make sure that you tune in for part two of the episode.